Hello, and welcome to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. While there, you can join in the conversation about this show. Just search for Built Different Podcast in your internet browser. Here now is your host, Zach Clinton, on this edition of the Built Different Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this edition of the Built Different Podcast. Guys, I hope you all had a very blessed weekend, and I pray that nobody missed their moments. You know, too often in life, I feel like we overlook the here and now by thinking back, maybe dwelling on our past, or we look forward and maybe we skip and start living in the future, but we often miss the moments that God has placed right in front of us. But I challenge us that we have to remember that the here and now is a gift, and that's exactly why they call it the present. Guys, I want to ask you a question today, and that question is simply this. How would you define worship? What is it, and what does it even look like in your life personally? You see, sometimes I feel like we limit the term worship, and we place it in this box that screams, you know, worship is it's just music to the Lord. Uh, you know, when you walk into the church, um, you have a time of worship music before the pastor or the speaker gets up on stage to share the message that God has placed on his or her heart. And let me first say this. Yes, music is a form of worship. And today we're going to be hearing from one of my favorite Christian singers and songwriters on that very topic. But there's so much more to worship that I want to quickly touch on before we get into that interview. And I'm going to read an excerpt um, from an article in Christianity Today. They write these words, Worship is not the slow song that the choir sings. Worship is not the amount you place in the offering basket. Worship is not volunteering in children's church. Yes, these may be acts or expressions of worship, but they do not define what true worship is really is. There are numerous definitions of the word worship, yet one in particular encapsulates the priority we should give to worship as a spiritual discipline. And that definition is this. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. True worship, in other words, is defined by the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. True worship is a matter of the heart expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. Now hear me out. You can have moments of worship in truly the most mundane places. They don't have to be in the confines of a building that we call the church. You know, rather, worship is actually a matter of the posturing of your heart toward God and toward his goodness and faithfulness in your life. You know, quick story. One of my closest friends once asked me this. He said, Zach, you know where I found the most profound moments of worship in my life? And I asked him back, where? He responded with, in my car, when I take a second to sit in silence. And in that silence, I have a time of peace and quiet and just a time of thanking the Lord for who he is and what he has done in my life. You know, I've carried those words and that story with me because worship isn't just the words that we say or the things that we do. 
But as we're talking about, it's a posturing of our heart towards submission and recognition of who God is. It's an act of placing God where he should always be, at the top of our priority list. So I just urge you guys to choose worship today and always. Guys, I can't wait to sit down and have a conversation today with one of my favorite Christian singers and songwriters, Mr. Mac Powell. Mac was once the lead singer of a very well-known band, Third Day. Mac and Third Day went on to sell over 7 million albums. They won four Grammys. They collected 24 Gospel Music Association Dove Awards, along with countless other accolades. Trust me, this dude knows music, but most importantly, this man understands the goodness and the faithfulness of God. So everybody, that interview with Mac Powell will be coming up right after this short break. We'll be right back with more after this. Meredith Andrews. Extraordinary Women, a day of worship and encouragement. Coming to Marcus Point in Pensacola, April 17th. I'm Extraordinary Women host Julie Clinton, and I can't wait to see you along with our friends and some of the nation's best speakers, Casey Van Norman, Sheila Walsh, and Megan Clinton. Then praise and worship with Meredith Andrews. Super Early Bird Savings Extended with $49 tickets through March 31st. An incredible worship experience you'll never forget. Get your tickets now at eWomen.net. That's eWomen.net. Extraordinary Women. Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. Here's your host, Zach Clinton. Mr. Mac Powell, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Man, I'm so excited um, just to have this opportunity to join you for the next few moments, just to dive in a little deeper into your story, um, get to know what really inspired some of the biggest songs that I grew up listening to as a kid, and then just also to hear some of the lessons uh, that the Lord taught you throughout your very decorated musical career. Sir, you're a Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter. You're the former multi, lead singer. Multi-Grammy, multi-Grammy. Multi-Grammy. Can't just, don't, don't sell me short there now. <laughs> <laughs> you're a former lead singer of the widely popular Christian band Third Day. Um, you also had a band called Mac Powell and the Family Reunion. Mac, mm-hmm. when just a kid starting out, um, I'm sure you couldn't have ever imagined getting to some of the places you've been in your career. Sir, take us back to the early days growing up as a boy in the small town of Clinton, Alabama. Yeah. What were those days like for you? When did you really start to fall in love with music? Well, I, I tell you what, growing up in, you know, it was kind of like one of those uh, it's almost like a TV show, like yeah. this really Southern Gothic kind of, you know, <laughs> novel in a way. Nothing fancy per se, but just like growing up in the South in this little town, uh, lived on a dirt road, you know, played with friends. And I can't say neighborhood. It wasn't neighborhood. It was like a bunch of pastures all around. But I had a great life, uh, really some great parents who loved me. And, and uh, you know, Mama Drag, I got a new song that the first line of is Mama dragged me to church every Sunday morning. And, and it's like, so that there's some, some, you know, truth to that biography in that song. And just, you know, had a great family and great cousins playing down at the river and just 
you know, a, a typical kind of Southern uh, life. And then I ended up moving from this little town in Alabama in the middle of nowhere to, to Atlanta when yeah. I was a sophomore in high school. And then life kind of changed for, for me from then that things were different in the big city. Right. But I had a love for music from the very beginning. Both my parents play guitar and sing. And my dad, I think, kind of wanted to do what I'm doing for a living, but yeah. he got drafted into to go to Vietnam and and got married and had a kid nine months later and another kid ten months later after that. So it was like his life dress. He went from this long haired hippie in a rock band <laughs> to, you know, Mr. Buzzcut and serving in the army and, you know, with, with a family in a matter of not a you know, a year. Mm. And so, you know, that love of music came from both my parents. Uh, they had an incredible record collection. Yeah. And then also had a love for music from, from going to church and singing these old hymns and, and being in choir as a little kid and singing these little solos and, um, and just, you know, really it all came from, I think there was an internal thing that God gave me this love for music, but it was amplified and, um, brought even more into fruition because of, of my parents and, uh, and, and church life. Wow. Man, we are so thankful uh, that God instilled this passion uh, for music in your life mm-hmm. at such a young age because, seriously, you have impacted my life personally, but so many other lives all across the world. So you have one of the most distinct voices I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you get that a lot. I know that I have ever heard. I mean, every time you come on the radio, it's like, boom, Mac Powell, right? There's no <laughs> yeah. question. Um, who are some of the musicians that you grew up listening to that maybe helped shape or influence your style of singing and songwriting? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's millions of influences. As I told you, my parents were the main ones, but yeah. their record collection uh, was everything. I listened to a lot of, as a as a, a man, young man growing up in the 80s. Yeah. Um, I listened to a bunch of stuff from the sixties and seventies cause I listened to what my parents listened to. So there was a lot of singer songwriter stuff like James Taylor and Jim Croce and, uh, Elton John, um, to like some Southern rock stuff like Leonard Skinner and the Almond brothers. And, um, my dad's favorite band of all time was a band called Credence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. And so, so all of that stuff. And then I listened to pop radio. I was a big pop radio fan as a kid. So I listened to Lionel Richie, you know, in his heyday and, and Michael Jack, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. So, you know, my music came from this kind of mixture of, of pop radio and old school seventies rock. And I also loved old school country like Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash. So all of that kind of wrapped in together and made this gumbo stew of, of what became, you know, my music and, and the sound of third day. We love that sound. And it really kind of reshaped in a sense, Christian music and gave a different atmosphere and a different feel to it. Um, like you said, you moved to Atlanta, you're blessed with the opportunity of starting a band alongside of Mark Lee, Billy Wilkins, um, and man, it just blew up, right? With the yeah. Lord's leading, it blew up. You guys became household names. Third yeah. day. Mac, first off, where does the name Third Day even come from? Well, a lot of people ask us that. And, they, and you'd be surprised. Every Easter, I post something and I say something on Twitter and Instagram, something to the effect of happy third day. Right. And I post that every Easter. And you'd be surprised and shocked at how many people go, Oh, that's where third day from the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, He died on a cross and on the third day rose back to life. And so a lot of people think that it's from, they ask me, what did God create on the third day? What are you you trying to say? And I'm like, no, that's not what it is. It's, Mm. 
it's it's from the the resurrection. And we're so thankful for the resurrection in itself. I mean, third mm-hmm. day, that's powerful. I didn't I never knew that. So I'm glad that I know there that. You now. See, you're Boom, one of the happy guys. Third day. Like, Whoa, yeah, exactly. Yeah, see that was actually my question, not a question I just read. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, uh, third day went on to sell over 7 million albums. Won 4 Grammys, like you said, you want to correct me there. Collected 24 Dove Awards alongside of countless other accolades. I mean, what were some of the lessons that you felt the Lord teaching you throughout those years and just throughout all of kind of this pinnacle of rising to success in the music realm? Yeah, well, definitely I, I had the early on a lesson of humility. Yeah. Uh, realizing, and, and I say that, it's like, it's hard to tell you. It's like he's <laughs> saying, uh, one of the, one of my favorite, you know, things about myself is that I'm so humble. <laughs> you know, it's hard <laughs> for people to say that, but I, I can say that because I have humility because I have honesty. I read one time in a book and I, I think it was Chuck Swindoll. I can't remember exactly, but it said all that, all that humility is honesty. And I, I realized early on because we had so much success. Now it wasn't overnight. It was, uh, I, I tease people and joke with people and say that, you know, we were a, a five-year overnight success. Mm. Um, so it was, it, you know, we had, we're fortunate enough to work really hard for a few years, but it wasn't a grind for, you know, a decade or anything like that. We were, I think it was a good balance of, of working hard and getting in that van and trailer and loading it up every night and driving through the night to go play for, you know, $50 for the next youth group. We had quite a few years of that, but at the same time, um, things were growing continually the whole time. And so mm-hmm. we were able to get a good amount of success early on, even though it had been a few years. Yeah. And I think that humility came from that work and from, you know, showing up and going, Hey, we're just sometimes one of many bands that are playing here. And we're definitely usually the least cool band. And, <laughs> and also seeing this success and going, there's no way. I think if we had, to be honest with you, if we had even, sold just a million records and had some decent success, I would probably be more prideful now Hmm. because I would look at it and go, Hey, look what we accomplished. Look what we worked hard to get. But because it was so far beyond our dreams and beyond our talents and beyond what we could do and accomplish as men and as a band, we early on saw, okay, this is not something that we can do on our own. This is God having his hand on it and opening those doors for us and allowing this to happen. And so uh, that, that humbles you when you realize and understand at an early age, this, this doesn't have so much to do with me, but, but a lot more to do with God. Mm, that's powerful because you're so right. Um, there's so many times where we can look at ourselves and say, look what we've done. But you're right. When it's out of our hand and you see the hand of God in something, it completely mm. makes you die to self, as they would say, and think, right. wow, that's nothing that I could have possibly ever done. I mean, those numbers are ridiculous. And to think mm-hmm. that just a kid growing up in kind of a small town Alabama that all of a sudden God would let you go to these places and these heights, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And I love what you said. It takes years to become an overnight success. That's something that I want our listeners to understand because it does. Yeah. It really mm-hmm. does. Humility. Matt, diving into some of your songs. Sir, you have so many top hits that it's not even funny. Um, I mean, I was listening through my phone the other day at all of them, and I was singing. It was almost like I was singing every single word, just reliving my childhood here. Songs like Soul on Fire, Call My Name, Children of God, God of Wonders, Show Me Your Glory. Uh, But there are two songs that have always really stuck out to me. 
And those are cry out to Jesus and I need a miracle. Sir, I've heard this story um, that kind of connects the two songs. um, And I think it's just so profound that if you don't mind, could you just share it with our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. So Cry Out to Jesus was a song that was inspired by loss. Yeah. Um, there was a family that lived close to us and we weren't, we didn't really know them well, but we were friends of friends and they had, they'd lost their son, uh, one Christmas quite a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember hearing the news and this was, uh, you know, the day is Christmas Eve. I remember hearing the news and just kind of thinking through that, praying for them and just wondering how would I respond if this happened to me? You know, would I, would my faith be something that brought me closer to God and brought me peace through that tragedy? Or would I be angry and mm. turn away from God? And so it really challenged me. And, and also the song was inspired by us as a band getting together as brothers every time that we did a show and just praying for one another and, and giving our prayer requests to each other uh, for our friends and for our family, for ourselves. Mm. And so that support of one another that story of that family that had lost a child and praying for them and, and kind of putting my, trying to put myself as much as I could in their shoes and mm-hmm. wondering how I would respond. That is what inspired cry out to Jesus. And so the song uh, became, thankfully became a big hit. And, um, and fast forward a couple of years or a few years, um, this couple was at a, a show of ours in New Jersey and we were out, it was an outdoor thing. It was kind of like a, an amusement park with a bunch of, you know, uh, roller coaster rides and everything. There's an, there was a little amphitheater there that we played. And, and this couple came up to us afterwards and said, Hey, can we just have a quick minute and share a story with you? And they shared a story of their son, uh, who was a young man who had struggled with addiction and, and depression his whole life. And, and he had gotten to a point where he wanted to end his life. And so he drove off by himself and found this little area off the highway and drove into the woods and he was going to end his life. And he, he turns the radio on because he's a big music fan. He wants to hear uh, some music while he's passing from this world. Yeah. And uh, he can't find anything on the radio it, He's because he's in the middle of nowhere. There's no radio stations. And he finally, after going back and forth on the dial, finds one station. And it's the, when you know it, it's the Christian music station. <laughs> and the song that's playing is Cry Out to Jesus. And so he listened to the words of that song. And it literally did what it said. He cried out to Jesus and asked God to, to save him. And, and um you know, he still continued to have struggles and still continue to have a hard time in life. But at the same time, that moment and that song uh, literally changed his life. And so I'm so thankful for that story and so many stories like that, mm-hmm. where once again, that brings that humility to me and, and to us in the band and third day, because we know that we were just trying to write a song and encourage each other with it, you know, and somehow it, it changes lives. And that's uh, that's something we know we can't do on our own. That's that's God's spirit moving in people. That's right. And something that I can say and attest to and just applaud you for is just being able to follow in the leading that you feel like God had placed on your life. Because obviously we know that God is the one that changes hearts. God is the one that when we cry out to him, he answers us. But it's so important too to be able to take those action steps and to put these words into songs and write down what God has placed on your heart. Because I mean, those stories are ones that will impact us forever. Like I've heard that story many times and every time I hear it, it brings me chills, right? Because I'm in the counseling field, I see and deal with people that are struggling with addiction, different things on a daily basis. And to hear, I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, crying out to Jesus is really, that's our our hope, right? That That's where all our hope lies. 
So I'm so thankful. Uh, thank you for the vulnerability and sharing that story with us. Um, obviously, you've had such an amazing musical career, but you're also the husband of your wife, Amy. You're the father of five kids, two of which were adopted. I know you have a big heart for your family and for all the children of the world. Sir, would you mind sharing with us just how much your family means to you and the biggest role that they've played just in your entire career, your entire journey? Yeah. You know, I feel like it's easy for me to say, and I, I you know, someone can debate me on this spiritually, uh, but they really are everything. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, everything is, is my relationship with God, mm-hmm. but what he provides and blesses me with in this world, um, you know, the biggest and the best is my family. I am amazed at the success that I've been able to have, and I'm very thankful for it, but it does not compare to my family. You know, that's the most important thing. You're going to make me cry, Zach. You're like Oprah over here interviewing me. I'm going to cry, <laughs> an ugly cry. Uh, but they're everything. I mean, my wife of uh, soon to be 25 years. Uh, I'm not sure if you know, but if some of your listeners might know that she had a brain aneurysm after Thanksgiving uh, of 2019. And, you know, just when you go through something like that, and thankfully now she's, everything's fine. Um, she pulled through like a trooper and just strong and there's no, no long-term mental or physical deficiencies mm-hmm. in her. Uh, I'm just very thankful, you know, and when something like that happens, it really challenges you um, to dig deep and just into, and, and you're thankful for what, you know, sometimes it, when you, you when you're together that long, it can be easy to mm-hmm. uh, kind of lose sight of what that means. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was a big wake up call to me. Um, and also for my children, you know, I have five beautiful children ranging in ages from 21 down to uh, 11 years old. And they just, they bring me joy. There's a lot of frustration and there's a lot of, you know, hard times and, and struggles and I lose my patience uh, quite a bit. But at the same time, there's so much joy, so much peace and so much love uh, because of my family. It, it's made me the man that I am now. Mm. So thankful that you shared that. Once again, thanks for your vulnerability in that, because I think it's important for our listeners to understand that, you know, I feel like our world and our society and culture, we give these, you know, these big musicians and these famous athletes, like we put them in a category of their own, right? To where it's like they're not ordinary people at mm-hmm. the same time, right? So like we give you guys such a big platform that to hear what's going on off the stage with your family and different things, because we only see you on the stage, we only yeah. hear you on the radio and stuff, but to hear your heart and to hear how big of a heart you have for your family, that touches me. So I'm just so thankful um, that you shared that with us today. Sir, after you decided to step away from Third Day, you had a time where you went with Mac Powell and the family reunion. Now you're just doing some stuff solo, Mac Powell Band. Yeah. What have the transitions been like for you along that journey? And what's what are you doing now? Uh, what are some things that we can be looking forward to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it, you know, it was a long career with Third Day and uh, almost 25 years. Yeah. And so to to move on from that, uh, there was both these feelings of sadness of that being done, but it, at the same time, excitement for what else God had for, in store for me and, and for my family. I, uh, I think that, you know, with, with third day, it, we had reached a place where uh, just for a lot of different reasons, it was, it was time to move on for all of us. And that can be scary when, when you've lived, you know, I was in third day longer than I was not in third day right. in my life. <laughs> right. And so, um, but I, at the same time, I just remember, I, I often think about Moses and how Moses had 
three lives from birth to 40 years old. He was basically a prince of Egypt, mm-hmm. you know, and he had the, the best of life and best of everything. And then he goes from 40 years old to 80 years old. He lives in the desert. Um, you know, he has the struggles of that and having everything in the world to all of a sudden not having everything. And, and we think of the desert as often as this, you know, analogy or allegory for, you know, hard times and struggles. And there's no doubt he had that, but also in the desert, he met his wife, mm. he had his children. I believe, we don't know for, for sure, but that, that he actually, you know, knew God and had a relationship with God before the burning bush. Mm-hmm. And so I think God was developing him in this desert time, gave him a new you know, a new lease on life and gave him new things that he was training and and teaching Moses in. And so therefore, when it came to when Moses was 80 years old, he was able to take the best of both of those worlds of the desert life and of, of being the prince of Egypt and being able to know the things about Egypt and how to approach the Pharaoh and how to approach the nation of, of Egypt and, and how to speak to them. And But at the same time, he knew the desert. And so when he was going to take the children of Israel through the desert, he knew how to live there. He knew how to, how to you know, whatever. It'd be fight off the animals in the desert or, or live with when there's hardly any water around, all those kinds of things. And so I just look at that so often, and, and I feel like, uh, you know, I'm not going to live to 120 like Moses did probably. But, but I just, you know, the life with third day was one part of my life. Uh, and that God has something else for me now. And it doesn't mean it's going to be bigger and better and more record sales and more rate and any of that stuff. It just means it's different. And I'm thankful for the years of third day that, that God trained me for something else. Right now I'm leading worship at a church here in Atlanta called Church of the Apostles, having an amazing time with the worship team there in the church. And and I, for a couple of years, the past couple of years, I've done independent country stuff. So it was kind of being able to take the, the talent and the things that God taught me and to go in these little clubs mm. and just, you know, really love on people who would normally not come to a Christian concert and normally not come to, you know, hear uh, I, w- I would sing songs like Amazing Grace and I Saw the Light, things like that yeah. in this little, these little dingy clubs in the middle of nowhere, and along with playing some country music. And I think it really brought a lot of joy to people and encouraged some people and and was sharing the gospel as well, but just in a different way than Third Day did it. And now, uh, just recently, I signed a, a new Christian record deal with with awesome. uh, Capitol Records, and I'm working on a new record now and got about 30 songs that I've written in the past year and got to narrow it down to about 11 or 12 songs. And that's so that's awesome. what's coming out soon. Hopefully I'll have a, a, my first solo Christian album will be out uh, probably around late summer or early fall. I'm going on tour with Zach Williams. Nice. We're doing a dri- yeah, we're doing a drive-in a theater tour where everybody can still stay uh, socially distanced but at the same time be at a concert and, and kind of, you know, either stay in your car if you feel more comfortable that way and listen to the, listen to the radio to, to hear the concert, or you can tailgate outside of your car, you know, bring a, bring along a couple of lawn chairs and, and watch the show. So it's, it's, that'll go through the summer. Uh, I did a bunch of those in the fall with Stephen Curse Chapman and Michael W. Smith, two of my favorite people in the world. And so now I'm, I'm happy to be carrying that on with Zach Williams here in the spring and, and uh, continuing to be at the church. So a lot of great things are happening, you know, for me. And, and um, I'm just thankful, thankful to be able Absolutely. to be doing this for after so long and glad that people still want to listen. Mr. Mack, that's some exciting stuff. 
Uh, yeah, man, man. That excites me. I'm going to have to jump on and get out there, bring my lawn chair, and listen to you guys. That would be an exciting concert for sure. It's going to be fun, yeah. I think that's so important to that you touched on is that topic of transition. Um, it can be a fearful one. It can be scary, right, for things to change, and especially when, like you said, it's such a big part of your life. I know a lot of people, um, you know, I played baseball. A lot of people that are, when they make the transition out of athletics, like, what am I going to do now, right? Like, right. what does God have for me next? But yeah. to hear um, the encouraging word that you share with us of just continuing to press into the Lord and to realize mm-hmm. just because maybe one door closed or a chapter end, God is right. still writing your story, right? You Absolutely. still have so much left. So, Absolutely. so, so thankful for that. Just in closing, um, I want to end with this. I know there's somebody listening today. They have a heavy heart. Maybe they're going through that transition season. Maybe they're hurting. They're broken. Um, they're in desperate need of a miracle. Mac, mm-hmm. what's your word of encouragement, hope, and motivation to help that person in need today to either start or keep living a life that's just built different on Christ? Yeah, well, I can just speak uh, and testify and attest to God's love for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though I grew up in church, I kind of just did my, through middle school and, and high school, I kind of just did my own thing. And it wasn't until I was a senior in high school that I started reading the scripture, mm-hmm. really s- starting to fully understand this great love that God has for me and for us uh, as the world that he's created. And there's this great scripture where Jesus says, I've come to this world to give you life and mm-hmm. to give it to you abundantly. So the biggest, the best, the most amazing life we can have is living it with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and I missed out on that. And I think so many believers, so many Christians miss out on that abundant life that they have salvation because they realize the truth that we're all sinners and need to be saved. And the only way to be saved is, is for Jesus to have done that for us. Mm. But so many people miss out on, uh, you know, they, they're kind of getting their salvation in their home in heaven and they miss out on what God has for them here right now, that abundant life that we have. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have hard times. It doesn't mean we're not going to have struggles. That's just part of life. That's right. But it means that we will always have a peace. We will always have know that God is not going to forsake us. He's not going to turn away from us through whatever trial, whatever struggle that he loves us and wants the best for us. And is going to help us through those times and to give us this joy that is beyond understanding beyond anything that this world has to provide. And so that's what I would encourage people is just really dig deep into God's word, Mm. seek him through prayer. And if you go after him, he's already pursuing us. If we go after God, he's going to reveal himself to us. He's going to reveal that wisdom and that strength and that peace that we need in life and that we're all searching for. And it's only in Jesus. That's right. He has come to give you life. He has come to give it abundantly. Mr. Mac Powell, thank you so much for your time, your vulnerability, and just joining us today. You are a blessing, sir. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing because I know, like I said, you've changed my life and you've changed so many others. So thank you. Mm, Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Everybody, just some closing thoughts on that very powerful interview and testimony of Mac Powell. I wrote this down. You know, when you feel lost, desperate, and hopeless— When it seems like everything is against you, when you feel alone, you feel like your back is up against the wall, you're in need of a miracle, cry out to Jesus. Choose worship and posture your heart toward him because I promise you he hears you, he sees you, and he loves you, and he will always show up. Everybody, make sure to stick around for our house call segment. 
as my dad, Dr. Tim Clinton, will be joining us next, right after this short commercial break. We'll be right back with more after this. Meredith Andrews. Extraordinary Women, a day of worship and encouragement. Coming to Marcus Point in Pensacola, April 17th. I'm Extraordinary Women host Julie Clinton, and I can't wait to see you along with our friends and some of the nation's best speakers, Casey Van Norman, Sheila Walsh, and Megan Clinton. Then praise and worship with Meredith Andrews. Super Early Bird Savings extended with $49 tickets through March 31st. An incredible worship experience you'll never forget. Get your tickets now at eWomen.net. That's eWomen.net. Extraordinary Women. Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. It's time for a house call. This segment features professional counselors in our circle answering one of your questions. Welcome to House Call on this edition of the Built Different Podcast. I'm Dr. Tim Clinton. Our question for today is this. As a Christian counselor, what's your word of hope and encouragement to a client, to someone who feels lost, empty, and hopeless, praying for and in need of a miracle? I guess I'd say, first of all, um, when you're in that kind of a situation, it's pretty dark and pretty scary. And no doubt you've been crying out and begging God to intervene. Let me just remind you of something very simple yet profound. And it's this, you're never alone. God really does see you. I love Psalm 46. If you get a moment, you may want to Get your Bible and go there and turn to Psalm 46. But the scripture says this, God or Elohim God. That's a name for God that denotes the majesty of God. Elohim is our refuge and our strength. He's a present help during times of trouble. That word trouble is best understood this way. When you feel caught between a rock and a hard place. When things aren't going the way they're supposed to go. When you may need a miracle. Elohim God is our refuge and our strength. He's a present help during those times. Now verse two, therefore, we won't fear. I know it's hard not to fear when the wheels are coming off and it seems like there's no answer coming. But when you step back and realize God's presence is there and you recognize God's power, you can rest confidently that no matter what happens, if you read that chapter from verse 2 all the way down to verse 10, basically it's metaphoric language that says no matter what happens, though the earth be removed and the mountains be cast into the depths of the sea, he's in the midst of it. He's in the midst of it. He's in the midst of it. He's in the midst of your problem, your challenge right now. Now verse 10. Therefore, be still and know that I am God. In other words, when you've done everything you can, there's nothing else you can do. It's like a prize fighter dropping his hands and saying, God, I'm releasing this to you. Release it to him. Trust him. 
and know this, that he will be exalted. You may not always be able to, as Spurgeon would say, trace his hand, but you can always trust his heart. God loves you. He's there for you. And let me close this way. He will see you through. Therefore, let me go to the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8. Draw nigh to the Lord, and he will draw nigh to you. For this edition of House Call on the Built Different podcast, I'm Dr. Tim Clinton. Hey, everyone. To find out more about my dad, Dr. Tim Clinton, you can go to www.drtimclinton.com. As always, thanks for joining me on this episode, and we'll see you next time on the Built Different Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. As we close today, we want to remind you about the upcoming Waymaker World Conference. This world premier Christian counseling event will be held in Orlando, Florida, September 15th through September 18th. Over the last 14 years, the World Conference has sold out with nearly 7,000 counselors, coaches, pastors, chaplains, and more, representing all 50 states and over 40 countries. Early bird registration is open now through March 31st, so register today for extra savings. To find out more, go to worldconference.net. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton.